Kristen, we have two monster movies this week. One live action, one animated. One scary, one isn't. Which is which? But which, which is, is which? which? Oh, God. <laughs> which one? Well, is the scary one Monsters University, the prequel to Monsters, Inc., or is the scary one World War Z, Brad Pitt's zombie movie? It's hard to tell in the trailers because in the trailers, sometimes it looks like one is animated that's not supposed to be animated. And they both some, have kids. Yeah. And sometimes Brad Pitt's hair and the – yeah. I, I don't know. Which one? Which is which? Gonna, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out shortly when we discuss. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. So let's tackle Monsters University first. We'll save World War Z, which is obviously, well, you know, I was going to say it's the bigger film, but I mean, Monsters Univer- Monsters uh, Inc. was so popular. This is, you know, who knows? Could be a neck and neck race at the box office between these two. Yeah, I think a lot of people are really curious about Monsters, not only because the first one was popular, but because, as you've said many times, Rafer, there just aren't enough good kids movies out there. Yeah, that's there really true. There aren't enough good kids movies, and Pixar tends to make good kids movies, so... We'll see, right? I totally agree. Let's listen to a clip. James P. Sullivan. Mike Wazowski. Listen, it was quite delightful meeting you and whatever that is, but if you don't mind, I have to study my scaring. You don't need to study scaring. You just do it. Really? I think there's a little more to it than that. But hey, thanks for stopping by. So that is, of course, uh, John Goodman playing James P. Sully Sullivan, the, the giant kind of purple, purple with green spots, I think, uh, monster. Kind of bluish. Bluish, and purplish. Soft, and, yeah. soft, soft, but also snarling and scary. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Billy Crystal as Mike Wazowski, his small, one-eyed, ovoid sidekick. A little, um, little green orb. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and so this is the, this takes us back to the days before Monsters, Inc., where these two meet at college for the first time. Mike Wazowski, not that scary looking of a monster, but he's going to study hard, work hard, and become a top scarer. Sully is a legacy admission. He's the father. He's the son of, son of Bill Sullivan, as everybody apparently knows on campus. Are you Bill Sullivan's son? And he thinks that scaring is just a natural ability thing. You don't really need to study. You just, you just do it. You don't need to scare anybody. You don't need to study. You just, you just do it. And the two of them will uh, come together and see if they can learn some things about each other, teach each other a few things. Um, it's a misfit. It's basically sort of a misfit underdog comedy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's also a you know a going-to-college comedy, which, I mean, there are a lot of versions of this over the years. We've talked about a lot of them on the show. Legally Blonde. Yes, uh, Legally Blonde uh, and Revenge, Revenge of the, the Nerds. Nerds right, exactly. And, um, House Bunny. It's, you know, a yes, lot of, House Bunny, right. Yeah, you have your misfit and your misfit who's really trying to make it, and you have your big monster on campus, and that's always potentially full of uh, great conflict and and great love, maybe, right? Yes. Well, and, and we should say that what happens in this one is uh, Dean Hardscrabble, uh, played by Helen Mirren. She kicks and them both out. She's terrific, by she's, the way. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she plays a sort of a millipede, uh, kind of a millipede. I don't so know how scary. to just, Yeah. She's got like 800 legs and those wings. Right. She's like, ugh. Kind of millipede slash dragon. And uh, she's the dean, and she kicks them out of the scare program. But if they can win the annual scare games against the champions, uh, the champion frat, Roar Omega Roar, uh, Sully and Mike have to join the misfit frat, uh, Uzma Kappa. (laughs) We're okay. That's their slogan. (laughs) If they can win that, then they will get let back into the program. Um, So what did you think? Did you like it? 
Oh, I I thought it was so sweet and delightful. I like those little inside jokes too. That um, yeah. That I mean, I think it's great that monsters have names like Mike Wasowski. Like yeah, that, that, it's just great. <laughs> monsters should have names like that. I like all right. of the ways that they can scare. There's um, a a group of sorority monsters, and these girls they just look like cute little like pink model girls. Yeah. But then you see at some point during the scare games, <laughs> like oh, they have lasers that come out of their eyes. Right. And they turn. <laughs> Just those little details that yeah. make these monster movies so enjoyable. And I liked the relationship between the two main characters. I would, however, have liked that relationship amped up even a little bit more. Wow, Even a really? little bit more. Yeah, because what I love about Pixar and especially their recent movies like Up and yeah. Toy Story 3, I love to cry, as you know. There wasn't one, I know. There wasn't one moment uh, during Monsters University where I was even close to crying. And I kind of like to cry during a... Pixar movie, so yeah. that, I, I would have liked a little bit of a moment where I could have cried, but other than that, I thought it was totally enjoyable, and I think that there's probably not a better movie to bring your kids to in the last several months. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's a little... Um, it, it is rated G, It's um, uh, which is rare in a, in a children's movie these days. Uh, it's a little less scary, I thought, than the original Monsters, Inc. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. uh, as I was just saying on the takeaway, much less convoluted. I always felt the whole kind of doorway, scream canister, energy plant conceit of the original always seemed a little bit over-elaborate to me. Like it was sort oh, of a... I love that. Oh, you did? I love really? those details. Oh, okay. Uh, to me, I sort of didn't buy it. Um, and this one, I think, dispenses with that and just really focuses on those two characters. I didn't buy it. I mean, come on, it's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying it. Um, that's not the way monsters behave. That's, that's not. First of all, when monsters are under the bed. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, so I have to say maybe, you know, I, I have to say that I liked this one much, much better, actually, than the original. I just felt that it was a it was a better way to get into the characters, show their relationship. Um, and I feel like there's something when Pixar when Pixar takes these risks with their scripts. I f- and they work. They just really just hit you right in the gut. And there is a there is an something about the ending. It's a happy ending, of course, but there's also something a little sobering and a little bit real about this ending. It feels kind of real world. These 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 two characters have both learned some not very pleasant truths about themselves, and they're going to have to survive that in some way. And they do. And I feel like when Pixar kind of goes there when they really sort of go for that deep stuff it can really work and i felt like in this one it really worked so i i really liked this movie as well i thought it, i thought it was a really great date so hold on are you saying you cried i did not cry i'm not it's not a cry it's not a crying thing Kristen. not a cry it's for you you do the crying i still thought it was a really good date i would it would have been a better date if i was crying at some point <laughs> oh, okay all right well all right, but, so, but it was still was a very good date okay good oh, date. only good from you okay i say i say great um, all right. Well, now let's turn our attention to what could be the scarier of the two, World War Z. I'm scared. Connie, there's a helicopter waiting for us on the roof. Keep your eyes on Mommy and Daddy, okay? How do we know they're coming? They're coming. Ooh, World War Z. It's a scary, scary world. It is a scary world. <laughs> Kristen, sum this up for us. Well, we have Brad Pitt, who is a former UN operative. He recently retired so he can spend more time with his family, less time out there in Libya and on the ground in dangerous places. Right. But, of course, his retirement is cut short by the zombie apocalypse. Oh. Ugh, that zombie apocalypse just is always you, ruining everything. Just when you're trying to retire. Ugh. So, of course, he gets called back into the field to investigate what is causing this apocalypse. 
Maybe is there a cure for it? We'll, we'll look after your family. We'll protect you while you go out there and investigate this. But you're going to be separated from them while you travel around the world trying to track down what's happening here. And these are not gentle, slow-moving, lethargic zombies. No. These are very, very, very fast-moving zombies. When you get bit by one of these things, you become a zombie yourself in about 10 seconds. It's not one of those things that a few hours later you're a zombie. You are bit and seconds later, you're eating your own family. Yes. It's uh, uh, the one of the uh, promo uh, kits I got from the studio was of the little doll at the beginning of the film, which falls over to the side on the on the floor and begins and begins counting. It's a little it's a little counting doll that has a little voice box inside that counts one, two, three, four. And it counts off the seconds until you turn to the turn into a zombie. That's how Brad Pitt kind of times watches someone get bitten and then times them turning into a zombie. So 12 seconds is apparently what you've got before you before you turn in this film. So a lot of things going on in this movie, a lot of globe hopping, different countries, the way different countries react to the zombie apocalypse, lots of science, some creative medical ideas going on here. And so we have a guest in studio who's going to perhaps explain a little bit of this to us. Uh, He is Scott Gordon. He is a recent honors graduate of Adelphi University. He studied chemistry, but he presented and defended his thesis on zombies. Scott, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Sure. We're so glad to have you. And I have to say, this is incredible that you were able to present a piece on zombies to graduate. Yeah, my mom can't believe it either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Let's let's dive in, Kristen. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask the first question, which is, as Kristen was saying, fast versus slow. We have fast zombies in this film. They they run, I would say, with the speed of a like of, of a well motivated, hungry human being. Not they're not they're not super fast. They're not superhumanly fast, right? Uh, yeah, no, they're um they're, they're they're fast enough to make you really worry about them. Yeah. Uh, you know, like like other fast zombies, they're not super strong, but they don't really feel pain. And I thought the most terrifying thing about this set of zombies was how persistent they are in trying to find you. You have people who hide out in cars, and they just seem to know that they're there, and they try to break in using their head, and it's really, really yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, and <laughs> a lot of headbutting against windshields and passenger windows. Yeah, they're film. they're relentless, and they have kind of this hive mind and behave like a pack of animals. It's just a tsunami of hands coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like the term tsunami because there are scenes in the movie where it literally feels like oceans of zombies are either cascading up a wall or, yes. if that makes sense, cascading up a wall. Yes, I, yeah, that fits. Yeah. They, or, they're sort of something kind of ant-like. They, they pile on top of each other to sort of create a mountain that they can eventually get on top of and then go over a wall or get onto the helicopter that's flying away, right? Now, Scott, is there a reason why some zombies are fast and some zombies are slow? Yeah, I, I actually part of my thesis was saying that there really is a, a very good reason as to why. I think a lot of people think it's this superficial difference, but I think it kind of gets down to the core of what the movie's trying to do. When you speed up zombies, everything becomes a lot scarier. You don't really have the opportunity to figure out what is it that separates us from them. I mean, a lot of the earlier films, the Romero films, talk a lot about the, the little things that we do that are horrible and how when we act in a certain way we become something less than human. When you have faster zombies and scarier zombies, you don't really have that time for introspection, so it really does create an us and a them. And the fast zombies really defined by this extremely violent other. 
that can really only be dealt with through extermination. Do you feel that it, do you feel that the fast zombies are a little more like us than the slow zombies? Is that is there sort of a little added layer of horror there? Um, I think it's the other way around. I think oh, the okay. slow zombies are a lot like us. Um, you know, Romero's films, as they progress and, and less people watch them, yes. <laughs> you get to a film like uh, Day of the Dead in 1985 and you have zombies that remember how to shave and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and remember how to use a cell phone and, and operate a gun. Uh, by his last film, uh, you have zombies that remember how to ride horses. I think part of the fun that Romero has, I think part of the fun that Romero has is um, this... Th- that really what makes us human is the pursuit of trying to be a good person. Yeah. And that we can we can do these things and we can pretend that we're these superior beings, uh, but we're really just members of the living dead. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Kristen, oh, I love that. Well, you brought up too, Kristen, this idea uh, when we were on The Takeaway, this idea that uh, this film in particular, because it sort of hops the globe, you know, uh, Brad Pitt goes from – Israel to uh, to Wales to you know He's tries questioning to... people who've been in North Korea right right you know. uh, yeah I mean I've always had a big theory that zombie movies tap into what our social fears are at the time so I always thought that a slow zombie to me meant uh, this is about our social anxiety about the suburbs about consumption about living in a Cold War society about living in a gilded cage this comfort the man in the gray flannel suit and that the fast-moving zombie was much more about war and terrorism and i noticed after september 11th there were a lot more fast zombies i didn't see nearly as many slow zombies i can't remember the last slow zombie i've seen actually Mm -hmm. i think that that that's definitely true i think the fast zombie really does kind of represent our paranoia in the age of terror and i think it's, it's really no mistake that world war z highlights these these pockets that have been affected by terrorism or military conflict just to continue on that thread of like these places we have anxiety about, one of the things they do is they question somebody who's been in North Korea, someone who's been a traitor. That they do. And so something that Rafer and I both found really interesting was that the way that North Korea decided to deal with the zombie apocalypse was just to have everybody's teeth pulled out. Right, so that you know, nobody could bite each other. And I like I like David Morris as the uh, as the rogue CIA CIA agent who says social engineering. <laughs> it's a marvel of social engineering. Yeah, no, it's it's a great little scene that um, actually plays kind of faithfully to the book, and they change how North Korea uh, survives the zombie apocalypse. But it it's a little bit of that social satire that made Max Brooks's novel so interesting. I think too. Um, well, let me ask this before I before I ask any leading questions. Does th- does this movie bring anything new to the zombie genre for you? Uh, the scale of it, um, you know, a lot of films deal with the zombie apocalypse, and you see it at kind of the beginning, but it's always in a small town. Uh, I don't think there's ever been this many zombies on a camera before. Right, and you know, all the people. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who are going to see this film and then have to re- revise their own survival guides because I don't think making it to the rooftop of a school building is going to cut it. That's right. <laughs> the, the doomsday preppers have to <laughs> have to rethink their plan B. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, I'm going to – this is a delicate question that I'm going to ask you because we don't want to spoil anything. But there is a let's, – let's call it a, a possible – an idea that somebody comes up with in the film about a way that might be able to solve this problem. Um, does that make any sound medical or – scientific sense? Um, I, I, I think it makes about as much sense as anything that's dead coming back to life in that kind of way. <laughs> okay. Um, 
You know, it, it does. I, I think it's a really interesting idea. I'm not really sure um, what the actual mechanism for that would be or why. It doesn't really seem to affect any of the living that try it, but uh-huh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. We haven't seen this kind of cure for zombie apocalypse in another movie, have we? Um, Kind of. I mean, I think... It's a really interesting idea that I don't think a lot of audiences are expecting, and yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to feel about it. I think it, in a respect, it really does kind of feel like a Romero movie, and it tries to get back to this idea that we should all just be one large extended family of humans. Yes. Mm. Um, I'm not sure in practice how uh, loving that group really is, though. <laughs> Could be also, you know, also like like the original Romero, and, and we're talking mostly about Night of the Living Dead, uh, kind of the, the granddaddy of, of zombie films from '68. You said, Scott? yes, sir. Yeah. Um, like in that film, uh, we never quite know what caused it all. You know, there's in that film, it was there were rumbles of radiation because that was the big fear at the time. Here, it could be global warming. It could be there's something about a recent outbreak of rabies. You know, we, we never we never know. And that seems important, right? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's what in part what makes World War Z so terrifying. I think you wake up in this world and, you know, you make your beautiful family pancakes. And the next thing you know, you're you're in you're in it. And it, it's just absolutely terrifying. And you don't really know where to go or what happened. And I think that's where we kind of are in this world is that we kind of woke up and. 9-11 happened and we're still dealing with it. And some and some nagging sense that it might be somehow our fault, right? That we somehow made this happen. Yeah. I mean, it it really is uh, – that, that really is true. I think the zombie genre in general tries to move away from that a bit. You know, in, in World War Z, I don't want to give too much away, but um, America hasn't – uh, withstood the zombie apocalypse that well, but they seem to have the best hope of fixing everything in a mm. way that doesn't really ring true in Max Brooks's novel. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. That's interesting. The, I, I mean, a lot has changed from the novel, in, in, including the very existence of Brad Pitt's character, which was not really in the novel, uh, Jerry Lane. Um, well, it sounds to me like you liked this movie. I like most of it, yeah. Yeah? Um, it, it's a really interesting entry in it. Um, I'm not sure how audiences are going to really react to it. I think the first hour or so um, is is in, is fascinating and gripping, and I think that's more than worth the price of admission for this movie. I just think it's going to go on, and people aren't really going to get it. Hmm. Okay. You think it's too thinky? Um, a little bit. Uh, I I also just think it it's promoting this message that people aren't really expecting in in a zombie movie. I think. Part of the success of The Walking Dead is this survivalist aspect and this idea that, you know, things get tough and, you know, you can find justice in the barrel of a gun. And it, the movie kind of goes the other way with that. Uh-huh. I see. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You're talking about the sort of uh, uh, love all, serve all, embrace everyone message of the film, which, you know, might kind of play into, you know, Brad, Brad Pitt, I think one of the things that attracted him to this Project, so I've read, is that you know he does a lot of humanitarian work around the globe, and he liked this idea of a zombie movie that covered all these different trouble spots, other countries that got outside of the just provincial American village that you might expect. Um, you know, and he's uh, I think we all would 
consider him a liberal, liberal humanist kind of guy and he has that kind of liberal humanist message in the film. Um, I would say I think this movie will actually do pretty well. Um, I think there's been a lot of bad press on it. The, you know, the, Ooh, the, the tons of it, yeah. ballooning budgets, the refilmed ending that was that was, you know, uh, axed, all this different stuff. I thought it worked really well and um, really entertaining. A lot of questions about Mark Forrester, the director who did Quantum of Solace, and I think a lot of people were very so-so on on the action scenes in that. I think the action scenes in this work really well. And I would agree with you, Scott, that, that what sets this movie apart is the scale and in particular – the budget, that giant, giant budget. I think you can feel it in this movie, and I think it makes the movie look a lot better, bigger, glossier, uh, and more entertaining than your typical zombie movie. Kristen? Yeah, I mostly liked it. I mean, I I really actually liked it quite a bit. I did, however, feel the ending tied up a little too tidy for me. Yeah, yeah. It got a little too tidy, and it seemed kind of to come out of nowhere to me, the tidy ending. Yeah. But... I did, for the most part, really, really, really enjoy this. Um, I would say it's a good date, but before we go, can I just ask Scott one more question? Yeah. I just have one more question, yeah, sure Scott. Thing. How do we survive? I mean, what's our most likely way to survive a zombie apocalypse if we're not working with the UN, if we're not like Brad Pitt and we're being shipped off to safety zones and our if family? DC's gone dark. Yeah. DC's gone dark. <laughs> DC's gone dark. We're not in a safety zone in the middle of the ocean on a big aircraft carrier, but we actually are just us, all of us sitting here in the studio. The zombie apocalypse comes. What are we supposed to do? I mean, I'd like to say that you have to find a place that's not really populated and there's not a lot of attention to, like maybe like a Microsoft store or something like that. <laughs> Ouch. But, but I mean, uh, part of the, I think the fun or the the real problematic part of the zombie apocalypse is that there is nowhere to go. I mean, it it's by definition the apocalypse, right? And it is the end. And, it's it's really there are a couple strategies that might buy you a few more hours. Like if you get on an oil tanker, I think hiding out in the school is a pretty good idea. But uh, I think ultimately you can't. Should we just accept it? Should we just the... accept that our time is done with and it's well, now the zombies' time to rise? Well, I, I mean, I I think best case scenario is you find an island where there weren't a whole lot of people and you you fly out there and you try to start society anew. Right there you go, Capjaluka. That's where you go. That's where you go. Try and start it all over again, Kristen. Oh, I think I'm just going to team up with the zombies. This just sounds futile to me. Oh, Kristen. All right. So I think we have a consensus that this was a pretty good movie. Everyone seems to like it. Good date. Good date for me. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a really good date. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. So, uh, well, listen, thank you very much for joining us. This was a real pleasure. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Oh, it was so great having you here. I feel like we need Scott on every week. Every time we have a zombie <laughs> movie, we need Scott here to explain how things work we to may us. Back, we may have you back when uh, uh, R.I.P.D., the Ryan Gosling comedy where he joins the undead police force. Oh, we may have you back over that one, Scott. We should Scott. have had you here for Warm Bodies, too. All right. right. That romantic comedy rom-com zom. Zom, <laughs> That's right. zom, rom-com. The zom rom-com. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to come. I'm extremely available. All right. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. Kristen, take us out with the uh, last week's trivia. Oh, yes. Last week, in honor of This is the End, in which James Franco, Seth Rogen, uh, Craig Robinson, all these stars play kind of fictionalized versions of themselves. We were pointing out that this isn't the first movie where movie stars have played fictionalized versions of themselves. And we played a clip and asked you to identify who that actor is and what the movie was. Here's the clip. Burn this. I'm sorry? This must never be seen by anyone. If you didn't like 
all those close-ups, we can, we can, no, this is not the final cut. There's no doubt we, we can. All re- copies. Destroy them. So that is another star playing a fictionalized version of himself. Rafer, what is that star? What is that movie? Tellingly, nobody got this answer, <laughs> which I guess means that nobody out there saw Jack and Jill at the Adam Sandler comedy starring Al Pacino as himself. Come on, people. Oh, but you know what, Rafer? You saw it, so the rest of us didn't have to. I still remember that episode of Movie Date. You were telling us not to see it, so yeah. of course nobody saw well, it. Well, all right. That's it. I, I flexed my, my critical muscle, I guess. Okay. <laughs> what's, um, what's this week's movie question? Well, um, as our guest, Scott Gordon, was saying, this uh, movie, World War Z, that we've just discussed, is based on a novel. Uh, The author's name is Max Brooks. We'd like you to tell us who are his parents, two famous, very well-known Hollywood celebrities. Who are they? If you know, give us a call, 5717movies. Or log on to facebook.com slash movie date podcast. Here's a plea, my heart's a year. Nobody knows me as well as you do.